0: Welcome to Deconstruct. I am Mikey Bridges. I'm sorry for my editing. The last episode I took out too many pauses and it made me sound like I was on cocaine or something. I'm still figuring out how to add music and how to make it sound better. I'm learning. I actually accidentally erased this entire episode after editing the whole thing. Lesson learned. My mom and stepdad had moved from Southern California to Oregon when I was 17. My mom has an illness, and the cooler climate makes it easier on her. They also wanted a few acres to create a small farm, my mom's dream. She always wanted more than cats and dogs. She wanted horses and cows and pigs and chickens and stuff like that. It was small, it was cute, just a few acres. More of a pet zoo than a working farm. So my parents and sister left Oregon while I elected to stay in Ventura in an apartment with some friends to pursue being in bands and acting. (laughs) During that time, I moved from Ventura down to Westwood by UCLA to sublet an apartment with a friend of mine. We were going to be actors, so it made it closer to go to auditions. That didn't work out for me because I found out that I didn't want to go to auditions. (laughs) I hated learning lines. I wasn't confident enough for that stuff. It wasn't for me. While I was down there, the only thing I managed to do was get on the dating game on a dare. The dating game was a TV show where The Bachelor, or The Bachelorette in my case, they can't see the contestants and can only hear the answers to the questions they ask. It's dumb, but what the hell? I got selected as a contestant. I went on it and I won it. (laughs) I went to Mexico, got a free trip to Mexico. The girl couldn't go because of school. She had some class conflicts or something like that. And she couldn't take the time. I didn't understand. She was really weird anyways. So the producer said I could take a friend with me. So I did, man, that is a hell of an adventure when you're 18, Mexico, mas cervezas. Everything's free girls. (laughs) Our chaperone gave me a stack of ones and said, don't get in trouble. And we didn't see him for a couple of days. He's supposed to check in with us all the time. He helped us check into the hotel. And then I think I saw him when it was time to check out. I remember having a long conversation about what a cool job that had to be. (laughs) Anyway, after that, I moved back to Ventura with nothing. Two years went by and my life went nowhere quick. I wasn't cut out to be an actor, I got a job cleaning carpets for Stanley Steamer. I had no direction. I didn't think I'd ever be in a cool band again. I was stuck. My parents knew I wasn't really going anywhere with my life, and they offered me a job working for them. They had a house with an extra room in it if I wanted it. It wasn't too difficult a decision. Pretty quickly after that, I packed up my green and white 1975 Chevy half-ton truck, a couple of boxes, and my Kramer base with that sweet white plumbing tape on the edges. And I headed up the I-5 north towards Oregon. My stepdad was an entrepreneur. He had built and sold several businesses online and off in his life. Car leasing and sales, video stores before Blockbuster, books pet products, all kinds of stuff. He's a really, really smart guy. He'd started an advertising business in Oregon. The business was selling ads and a guide for new homeowners and new business owners. If you move into a new house, we were the first ones to send you a coupon book from the businesses and services around you. Kind of a welcome to the neighborhood. Here's a coupon for the pizza joint around the corner you didn't know about yet. Or same with businesses. Welcome to the area. Here's a coupon for janitorial service companies or office supplies right around the corner. Stuff like that. This was pre-internet, remember that. I was good at sales because I was personable on the phone and I had a good voice for it even when I was younger. (laughs) People always thought I was much older than I was. It was a good job for me and I was very appreciative of it, but it would be very isolating for me. I was afraid because I didn't know a soul in Portland, just my sister, who lived with my parents and was still in high school. We love each other, but we're not close. We're really different people, so I didn't really have her to hang out with. When I had previously visited, I found getting around was way more complicated than I was used to. Southwest Portland is a maze of windy streets and hills and back stretches through fields and farms. It's crazy, or it seemed to be to me. And I had no idea where to I'd find anyone or anything. There were no GPSs or apps or anything like that back then. We had a Thomas guide, a big map book. Oh man, I loved those. It felt like an explorer when you open one of those up. <laughs> it seemed like a completely different world that obviously knew nothing of the kind of music I was into. What would churches be like there? Where do people hang out? How will I make friends? I didn't go to college or know where any younger churches were. There were no other employees at my dad's business. It was daunting, but I'm glad I went because I really needed to start over. I remember one of my first encounters was rolling up to a gas station as I crossed the border into Oregon. I got yelled at for pumping my own gas. You can't do that in Oregon. It's against the law. They have to pump it for you and you better know that law, damn it. And I got yelled at for being from California, Californication before, you know, Californication. (laughs) My parents' house was way outside of a little town on the West side of the Portland area. It's not so small anymore, but then it was way out past like the last suburbs. I'd come from the beach and palm trees in Los Angeles, and here I find myself lost in the sea of evergreen trees living on a little farm in Oregon. It was 25 minutes through a forest and several hundred-acre farms to the nearest freeway. I was absolutely lost. Cold call phone sales, no public coming into our office, no other employees, just me and my stepdad on the phones, no music, no concerts to speak of. And I wasn't the farm type for sure. I loved that my mom had found her paradise and that my stepdad was taking care of her, but I felt the life being sucked out of me out there. It's spectacularly beautiful out there on their little property. Serene beyond serene. It's truly a magical place, but I'm a social creature by nature. And I need that energy of lots of people. And I was lonely. So I'd go and explore as much as I could because there was nothing else to do. I was learning how to get to the freeway. It was like prison. The evergreen trees were like walls closing in on me. I was so impatient. Gosh, man, it had only been like a couple of months and I acted like I was in jail. Oh, kid, slow down a little bit. In this little town, I saw a flyer pinned to the wall outside of a grocery store. It had some band names on it, and it said free concert at a church in town. What? I mean, really here in this little tiny town? Cool. So I went because I was curious if there was more happening, or maybe I could make some connections for other concerts to go to. Maybe there are some other alternative Christians or underground Christian music around somewhere. So I drove out to this small church building on the edge of this town. It was sitting in the middle of a few undeveloped acres of land, just out in the middle of this land all by itself. The land around it made it look tiny, but they had a decent sized sanctuary and room for a band to do a show. And I was surprised because there were a lot of people there. The band came out and it was a synth pop band. It wasn't my style, but it was something they were called versus great hair, great shirts, <laughs> great musicians, super polished. They even had a dance. They would have the audience do. I stayed after, I got to meet the band, they were super nice to me, very helpful, very friendly. Bob Barnes, Mike, Owen, Christian Crow, the drummer, would go on to be in All Star United, which was a pretty popular Christian rock band back in the day. I can't remember the other guys' names offhand, sorry. I told them that I had just moved there and I was wanting to get more connected with music They were really popular at the time, so they played a bunch of shows at churches and other places. And one of them even took me to another show across the bridge in Vancouver, Washington. There was a youth club where Christian concerts would happen sometimes. I can't remember the name of the place. Maybe somebody can post that on the Facebook group or something. I started finding other shows, but no Christian underground scene. No alternative of any kind. Nothing like what I was used to in California. I wouldn't find out about a band called Flock 14 and a small pocket of Christian underground fans until later. But I'd go to every show, whatever show I heard of, just to make friends and find more shows. Meanwhile, I'm working for my stepdad selling advertising I would call new businesses off a list. We used a sales script, so when somebody said no, you could politely ask why to hopefully take another shot at closing a sale. I called one of the businesses on my list, and it was a guy named Larry Pinneger. I can't remember what his business was listed as, but he said no to my ad, and I asked him why. And he said because he owned a gospel recording studio, and he didn't think doing an ad would be helpful to him. He wasn't listed as a gospel recording studio, so I asked him if it was like clapping and big choirs and stuff. No, he wanted to record Christian music, which was super intriguing to me. We talked for a while, and I asked if I could meet up so I could see his studio. Thinking about it now, it was kind of creepy that I was going out to meet this older guy, a complete stranger I met on a cold sales call. That's weird. <laughs> What I didn't know was that his studio really wasn't a studio and that Larry actually owned a marijuana head shop and had recently become a Christian. This was when marijuana was still very, very illegal. Head shops are where you buy bongs and pipes for smoking marijuana, amongst other things. Drug paraphernalia. Whippets. (laughs) He didn't know I was 20 before he met me in person because of my voice, so he thought I was a lot older. I told him on the phone I was a Christian and a musician, and that I was interested in getting into the Christian music scene here if there was one. We met up at his building, but he avoided the whole head shop thing. (laughs) He was a new Christian, and he knew I was, so I don't even know if I knew what was going on with that at that point. He took me through the back and upstairs to show me what was a medium-sized room and then another smaller room with a glass window in it looking out into the medium-sized room. It was completely empty except for this, maybe it was an (laughs) 8-channel, a 6- or 8-channel mixing board on a table of what could be a control room for the studio. Basically, there wasn't a studio. It was set up for it, but... Nothing had been done. There was nothing in it. But there was another room that Larry showed me that he wanted to make into a comedy club for some reason. It was almost empty except for a little stage only about four inches from the ground because it was on the second floor and there was low ceilings. And there was a stereo system on the stage. It wasn't a PA, just a home stereo system with like a black pyramid-shaped receiver. (laughs) I think there was a light or two up there. There was a small lobby area around the backside of that that led to a set of stairs and out to the notoriously trashy 82nd Avenue in Portland. I mean, right smack dab in the middle of prostitutes, shootings, drugs, crime, garbage, lots of used car lots. A pretty shitty area of town. Not a bad place for a head shop, but not a place Christians would be excited about going to. We liked each other and decided to keep talking, even though he was a little shocked I was only 20. I asked him about the space and if he wanted to do a Christian music club instead of a comedy club. I would get everything ready. I would set it up, find the bands, promote it, and Larry agreed. He paid me enough for me to live, And get stuff for the club. Oh my gosh, that was so awesome. But I still had to prove that it would work. So away I went. I couldn't find the world that I liked in Oregon. And that world that I'd come from in Southern California. And this was my chance to build one. And I would find that to be a reoccurring theme as I went on to build a few more things in my life. (laughs) This would become my first live music club. The Connection. A terrible name. I mean, it was actually called The Christian Connection. (laughs) And I can't take credit for that one. Larry. As we were planning everything, I was learning how to drive around southwest and southeast. I had to drive from the far west side of Portland to the east side of Portland where Larry's building was. From Forest Grove to 82nd and Division. Sometimes I take the 26 to the 84, but I even learned to take the 217 to the 5 South to the 205 North, and then you could bypass the 84 altogether. Yeah, I have to mention freeways. I'm from California. I made a friend, I think, at one of the concerts I went to or a church I visited or something. He had long hair, so I imagined him to know cool bands or something. He was a Christian metalhead. That didn't help me because I wasn't. I wasn't into metal but he lived in an apartment next to the freeway and he was looking for a roommate. That was my chance to move out of my parents and be closer to the city. I didn't know anyone on the other side of town except for Larry. So for now being close to the freeway was good enough. So my new boss, Larry was facing a war, the Christian guilt war. We met just as that war started for the guy. He had just become a Christian and was the owner of a head shop that made a lot of money. Nothing illegal, but totally looked down on. He sold bongs and pipes and other drug paraphernalia. Not drugs, but there was that stigma attached and Oregon was hyper-judgmental then. He was doing great. House on the hill, cars, cute wife. He even gave me a car to drive around. (laughs) Plenty of money, but... Because of being a Christian, he felt the pressure to get out of that business. Christians are very overreaching into other people's lives. I'll talk about that later. I myself would find out a lot about that in the coming years. It was a really heavy, conflicted time for him. Tough spot. He got saved or committed his life to Christ and wanted to do something for the Christian world, but most Christians were going to have a hard time with a guy who made money from drug paraphernalia. It didn't matter to me. I didn't care. I was much more focused on figuring out how to build a club on a small budget as Larry wasn't throwing money around or anything. I didn't give a shit about drugs or bongs. I was stoked to build this club. One of the cool things about big cities is warehouses of used stuff. I discovered Portland has tons of them. So I went hunting. I found and bought cool used chairs and tables, display cases for my snacks and a, you know, cash register, cool shit, put stuff on the walls, decorations, everything to make it look awesome. It was then that I think that I found my love for designing experiences. I loved looking through all that junk to find inspiration for a cool look or a new way to display something or make something. I would do that several times in several buildings up there. Nowadays, you guys have places like Restore. Oh man, I wish we had that. I could spend days there. It's a Thrift store for furniture and interior construction stuff. (laughs) Oh man, I fell in love with building the club. Taking a room and transforming it into something that people have a great experience in was the best. I set it up to look like a real secular club. Notice that. A real secular club. Even back then I was trying to compete and show everybody that we were as cool as everyone else. I stayed away from being churchy at all. I had been to concerts at churches and other places, both in Oregon and California, where the setting was completely vanilla. No cool vibe, no care for the experience. I wanted this not just to look great, but feel great. Cool chairs around small tables, dim lighting. You felt like you were out on the town, like in a real music club. I also somehow got connected with a sound guy that basically volunteered his sound system and was the engineer. I think he was attached to one of the bands I had become friends with. That guy did not like me at all. I was a 20-year-old kid. I was arrogant. I was building a club. (laughs) Personally, I was still on my own. I hadn't found a church or a group to hang out with yet. Larry had a friend named Dave Fahey. I think Dave went to Larry's church. Dave had a wife and four daughters, big family. They liked music and the idea of a club, so the entire family volunteered to help with the club. They were great. Larry found more volunteers and used his staff from the head shop for security. So here I am in Portland. I have the club set up, and now I need to figure out how to get people there. No one knew about it, and I didn't know anyone still, so I had a major problem. I had to find Christians that would like this sort of thing, but where? I got the idea to look through the Yellow Pages phone book from working for my stepdad finding leads for sales for our guide. For you younger people, the Yellow Pages was part of a ridiculously thick paper phone book. Home or personal phone numbers were listed in the front on regular white paper, and the businesses would have ads and listings in a section in the back printed on yellow paper, the yellow pages, Christian businesses would put a fish symbol on their ads. We even had one on our sign and logo for our club, <laughs> having a fish next to your business name means you're a Christian. And it says, Hey, your family, and you can trust us. If I'm going to go get my car repaired, I'm going to the Christian guy. Cause he's not going to dick me over. So I went all out and had custom VIP tickets designed and printed. I sent these sweet golden VIP tickets out to every business in the Portland vicinity, yellow pages with a Christian fish attached to it. I went to the local news and radio. I went to the Christian contemporary radio station there and gave them tickets. I sent tickets to Christian colleges, bookstores, churches, anything attached to Christian stuff. I asked the bands that I had become friends with if they would come and play for the opening. I knew they were popular and would draw if I could get the word out. People loved them, even if it wasn't my style. My plan was to do two identical nights. The first night was gonna be a promo night, invite only with my sweet, custom-made golden tickets. I had done a press release, so I was expecting news channels to be there, Everything was free. And then the second night would be open to the public and I would have a door charge. I was new to the state and to the culture, really. I had no idea what I was doing, but I had a drive to do it and do it to the best of my ability. I wanted it to be better. I wanted it to be one of the coolest places like you'd ever seen or been to. I wanted people to feel like they were in a real club because we were really restricted from you know, maybe going to clubs as Christians. So I thought that if you got free tickets in the mail to this new cool thing, and it was Christian music, that lots of people would come. We got everything ready. I had a strong lineup for that time in Portland. My friends in the band Versus and a band called Makaira were ready to play. Popcorn was popped, tables were set, Cash register was registering, hand stamp was ready, sound and lights are up. Everything looks sweet. I was absolutely ready to entertain the people. There were hundreds of pairs of my golden VIP tickets out there. Sound check was done. Everyone's ready. This was going to blow people's minds. This was going to be epic. And the time came to open the doors to my new Christian music club. I'll talk about what happens next time on Deconstruct. Have some stories to add, questions to ask? Join the discussion on the Deconstruct with Mikey Bridges Facebook group. You can also find Deconstruct all over social media. Search Deconstruct with Mikey Bridges. Be good to each other. Cheers from Southern California.